The Crude Life, every Monday through Thursday with a week in review on Friday. If you don't hear a fiddle or a steel guitar, a hillbilly singing by the honky-tonk bar, the bass ain't banging and the vocals are rough. Welcome to the Crude Life Podcast. My name is Jason Spees, the North Dakota Nomad, the Shale Play Prophet, and we are broadcasting from the Hatch Coaching Studios. Our entitled intern provolone is manning the production elements of the broadcast. Coming up today, we've got a jam-packed show for you folks. We've got just a lineup of guests. John Clark, Clark Consulting, Clark Energy Consulting, excuse me. He will be on to talk about some of the unemployment happening. Of course, he's pretty in tune with the market, so we're going to talk about some of the unemployment issues happening. Matthew Hill of Night Energy. He's going to talk about some at-home adjusting, some of the things that are happening around the area. You see, what he did is he made phone calls to a whole bunch of producers and engineers and all kinds of folks in the oil and gas industry, and he's putting together a chart. I guess I don't know if chart is the right word or some sort of PDF, but something he's putting together and he's going to share it with his higher ups. And he said he'd share it with us when it's all said and done. But we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. He's not completely done, but he's going to share some of the insight he's received and even some stories from out there in the field. What's going on? Also, boy, who else have we got? Bailey Midkiff, Jake Milney. They're going to join the program as well. And what we're going to talk about there is what's going on down in Colorado and in Wyoming. So we're going to be down in Oklahoma, folks. We're going to be in Houston. We're going to be in Colorado. We're going to be in Wyoming. Of course, we're going to be in North Dakota, out to the Marcellus, too. All kinds of different places today. But you know what? That's what's happening. We have a lot to talk about. We have a number of different guests on that need to talk about a number of different things. Not to mention, we want to make sure you know who's in business. Because quite honestly, a big part of why we're doing this is so you know who's out there, who's doing business, who has everything percolating. We're going to skip headlines. We have them available at our website. Uh, Local oil man highlights Saudi presence in Texas. Actually, we have a request out to interview him as well because we've been talking about that very thing. In fact, I'm going to mention it today to a couple of our guests. Broomfield, that's in Colorado, poised to halt gas oil operation until coronavirus health crisis passes. Another issue in Colorado is, to me, I believe this should be on front page uh, stories. The governor cites oil and gas as critical infrastructure. That is, and the re- here's why, folks. This is not political. This is a news story. This is not political. This is a news story. I'm an award-winning journalist, okay? Every now and then, I get to pat myself on the back, and this is one of those times because this is a legitimate news story. When the governor comes out and says there's a war on oil and gas publicly, and the governor actively is trying to eliminate, not work with, eliminate the industry as soon as possible. And now when there's a pandemic and he's using fear and guilt and health as a way to get everybody on board. I mean, some of the rhetoric he says is really over. The, it's very aggressive and it is very uh, emotional language. Okay. And to cite oil and gas as one of the critical infrastructures, can't have it both ways like that. And I get there's a time and a place. So we're going to earmark this and we're going to come back to it. And I'm going to actually ask one of my guests, the guys out in Colorado and in Wyoming. Again, we might put a pin in it, but who knows? They might want to talk about it a little bit too, because life does go on. The leaders are in place. 
really everybody's giving the leaders more than enough room to move. Now, the social distancing, I think the humans are doing a terrific job considering, you know, that we are social creatures. March Madness, WrestleMania, Super Bowl, Major League Baseball. Well, not Super Bowl, but you get my point. NBA, hockey. These are some major things that everybody just literally overnight said, okay, we agree. There was no riots. No riots. A couple people coughed on some toilet paper. And we do have some toilet paper shortages. But for the most part, society really cooperated. They really did cooperate, you know. So, uh, I, you know, big pat on the back, folks. Big pat, big pat on the back. I mean, when I actually thought about how quickly everybody stopped going to work and how quickly the economy just halted, I didn't think something like that was even possible. Like, it's, it's everybody knows that at the end of the summer, something's going to look completely different. And some people are excited. Some people are very terrified. I get excited for new things, and I I know everything's going to be okay in the end, so I think it's going to be okay. I really do. Hey, before we get to our guest, who we're going to get to in about a minute or less, because I'm not even going to take a commercial break before our first guest, we're going to get right to Bailey Midkiff and Jake Milney, because I just got a notification they're ready to go, and they're going to be calling into the bat phone here in just a moment or two. Provolone, heads up there. I'll tell you what. How about I take the next 30 seconds and mention Mineral Tracker or even MineralTracker.com because you can call them either one. Their website, MineralTracker.com or Mineral Tracker. Now, Mineral Tracker is the only mineral management software that allows mineral owners to compare actual royalty payments to expected payments based on well performance and the proprietary and Bakken specific reservoir model built by Mineral Tracker's petroleum engineers. Mineral Tracker was formed in Watford City, North Dakota, and is a subsidiary of McKenzie County. You hear that, folks? Right in the middle of a, of a promo and my doorbell's going. It must be the UPS guy, Mineral Tracker. I do apologize, but let's just finish this real quickly here before we get to Bailey Midkiff and Jake Milney and Provolone answers the door. Okay, Mineral Tracker was formed in Watford City, North Dakota, and is a subsidiary of McKinsey Minerals Management, a family-owned and operated business also based in Watford City. For more information, visit their website, mineraltracker.com. That's mineraltracker.com. Provolone, can we please get a mic level check from Jake Milney and Bailey Midkiff from WIC. Jake Milney, William Insulation Company. Bailey, you're next. Go ahead, sir. Bailey Midkiff, WIC. Thank you very much for joining the program here today. Boy, I tell you, it is certainly some different times right now. A lot of people are working from their homes, transitioning. But again, when it comes to the oil and gas industry, so much energy is needed to keep the ventilators going, to keep the hospitals going, to keep the trucks moving from point A to point B. Not only that, we need the plastics in order to put on the testing kits and the vaccines, all kinds of different things that the petroleum industry is needed for. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But I do like to start off the conversation anytime nowadays to find out what level of business people are engaged in? Are they open? Are they working normal hours? That sort of thing. So Jake Milney, Bailey Midkiff, thank you for joining us today. First of all, talk to me about uh, what's going on in your guys' world in terms of your office and your business activity. Well, uh, you know, it's it, at first it didn't seem like there was going to be much change. You know, with uh, most of our projects being in in the energy sector right now, uh, we weren't expecting too much of a change. 
over the last week, though, uh, you know, we, we've put out our coronavirus uh, notice to our associates, clients, uh, as well as our guidelines to employees. Um, we've locked the office front door. Uh, no one gets in without an appointment or, uh, you know, and we had a notice up there. If you're feeling symptomatic, then you aren't coming in here. And then, uh, you know, looking at what our clients and vendors are saying that they want to do, making sure that we're relaying that to our field people and, and following all the procedures that are being put in place. Uh, with that being said, uh, we're down to three people in the office right now. Uh, everyone else is working from home. The CEO's coming in for a couple hours a day. Um, that's about it. You know, earlier this week, we, the last week, they uh, one project down in Evanston, Wyoming, they put in some procedures and, um, you know, we thought, okay, this is, this project's going to keep going. Well, then they, uh, decided on Monday or Tuesday this week that they were going to shut down the project and, uh, and reevaluate after April 1st. Um, got another client that's, uh, in between Rollins and Casper that, uh, they had a, a, a two week turnaround that uh, is now reduced to three days. They found out earlier this week that they had uh, two employees that operators that were uh, diagnosed with the coronavirus. So they're looking into that and, and, you know, making sure that our employees didn't come into contact with them. Um, We've since suspended work there until further notice. Uh, You know, that everyone's holding tight onto their, their wallets. You know, we've, I'm, We've been worried about other projects being canceled, but as of right now, as far as our our oil field type work, that stuff's still in motion. Um, emergency stuff is is still being attended to. All the uh, other turnarounds we have planned are are going forward as normal, but uh, our bigger projects is is where we're seeing everyone kind of sitting back, holding tight to their cash and and waiting to see how this all turns out before they issue any POs. You know, we've got several verbal awards out there that, well, we're just waiting for, uh, waiting to see what happens before we actually allocate the money because they don't know what they're going to do with it. Um, trying to continue business as usual. Uh, Bailey is with his, uh, his, uh, travels to all these different places. Uh, he's not allowed at the office for right now till, uh, until things settle down and, and, um, you know, just, uh, trying to continue to, to work with our clients and, and meet the needs of all of our associates that we deal with. Uh, but it's significantly impacted the way that we are doing business. That's for sure. Bailey, I know that you're kind of like, like Jake said, you, you get out there, you're the traveling guy. You got a, I don't know if you're a caged bird right now or if you're still running a few meetings here and there or what, but uh, talk to me about how your life has been impacted. You know, I am actually on the road right now. And with everything going on, um, you got to be, yeah, you got to be very cautious. At least, yeah, I'm not uh, stir crazy. Uh, I'm out and about. But, you know, it really just boils down to respecting your, your clients the best you can. I mean, I try to ensure I have a meeting, uh, some people you can't get a hold of. And I think a lot of that probably is those individuals are at home or, you know, in a secured environment where they're so busy on the phone, it's kind of hard to address that. I mean, the phone calls before probably tripled, right? So the communication we have now is way different. I, you know, 
even if I can do like a virtual visit or anything, we're open to any ideas with all our clients. But if I can get a meeting, I absolutely go. Now, I'm in healthy condition right now, so obviously that's not an issue. But, you know, the humbling factor of, you know, all the health concerns, I'm really watching it. And it's crazy to see. So, you know, obviously we've got connecting states that have a lot of cases and they're taking extreme measures to force individuals, you know, to stay home. Uh, Wyoming hasn't seen that yet. And I will tell you this, the traffic's pretty normal. Uh, I was at Walmart this morning to get some groceries before I headed out. And uh, it was still busy. They were stocking the shelves. Uh, yesterday alone, I went down a, a renowned road in the Powder River Basin, uh, Ross Road, and there was more traffic on that gravel road with, you know, the oil and gas operations happening there than there was on I-25 to get to it. You know, if I could speak to that point, I seen on uh, Facebook, they, uh, some company came out with the a grading system on how well each state is doing on their social distancing. And they said, Wyoming's got net. And I seen everyone complaining about it and like, come on, people get it together. But if you actually read the article, it said, you know, well, first of all, everyone lives very rurally in Wyoming for the most part, you know, for, for example, me, if I wanted to go get a loaf of bread from the store, it'd take me a half hour, 15 minute drive there, 15 minute drive back. And that's if I don't, running to slow ups at the store so and they said in the report that this is a skewed report and on top of that you got to realize you know i was thinking about the day they sent that out on tuesday monday before i'd done 300 miles worth of driving and uh it's based off cell phones and how much travel there is and i you know greater majority of our state is based on the energy sector and which is an essential service so you know, a lot of us are still out there working, and it's been up to the individual companies to decide, you know, what roles are essential to be out there in the field. Have you guys had you know, any sort of government edict yet as far as stay home or any warnings or anything like that? They've requested just, it. Yeah, I, I think the, the major one is just verbally, if you can stay home, please do, which I totally agree. I mean... If, if you have the capabilities to do everything you can remotely at your house, secure away from individuals with, the, you know, social separation at hand, I think you should. But I obviously, just like Jake said, heck, just some of the stuff, you know, if you've got it, I mean, some people are worse than the 30 minutes, you know, it, we're the least populated state with a lot of ground to cover. You know, I find it pretty interesting. I'm kind of, I'm looking for a specific story on the online here that, talks about your neighboring state, Colorado. And I wanted to get your guys' opinion on this because I, I know you do business down there and I know you have a lot of colleagues down there as well. And the governor came out last year and declared a war on oil and gas. He's been very public about it to the tune to where he's flat out said, we're going to shut it down. Well, now when this coronavirus comes in, Colorado is, is a hotbed right now as far as, it's one of the top states for, for issues. And the list of essential businesses has oil and gas in there. And to me, I, I, I understand there's a, there's a time and place for everything. But at the same time, I am seeing headlines that is demonizing oil and gas because of the inactivity of people saying that, look, see, this is an example of what climate change and this and that. And so it, it it's out there is what I'm getting at. I just don't understand I mean, how the media hasn't pointed that out, that the governor who's trying to end 
an industry now says it's essential for people's lives. Go on. Sorry. But look at it this way. Governor Polis two days ago called for 50% reduction in non-essential business, uh, in-person work. And, uh, you know, they listed the critical infrastructures and you just nailed it. One of them was oil and gas operations. Now, as of yesterday, they did the stay at home initiation where, you know, you, you have to stay at home unless you are, you know, fit the critical infrastructure. I think it was like fuel supply, transmission, oil and gas operations, public water. There was a bunch, you know, hotels, I think was another one. Obviously there were some big ones there. So it, it's so funny you say that. And I think it boils down to one thing. And this is my personal opinion. And then I'll let Jake spill his. I think that we're taking the high road. We could immediately take this information and be like, oh, well, now we're not the bad guys anymore. No discussion. But I, I don't think we'd be gaining any ground there either. I think it's it's terrible this happened. And I'm worried about the people with their health and their well-being. But it's really shown a highlight on, wow, okay, maybe they shouldn't have attacked us. But at the same point, I don't think it's going to go away because you can't spend all these years attacking an industry. And then when this is done, take it all back. Jake. Sorry about that. I had to answer the phone. I'm the only one at the office right now. Uh, oh, by all means, I can comment if you need to get to that. No, that's no problem. That's no, by, by the way, welcome great. to living the crude life, folks. We got multiple interviews going on, multiple people. Jake's there cutting deals. Boy, I tell you, it's, it's bad. <laughs> you know, talking about Colorado, uh, my mother lives over in, in Johnstown. It's uh, to the southeast of Loveland. Um, and she called me concerned yesterday about this stay-at-home order. And, uh, you know, but it, it's, I think it's, probably a smart move what they're doing down there just because it is a hot spot and you know they uh i was talking with our senior project manager earlier today about it and he, when they tried doing this a day or two ago uh there's hundreds of people lined up at the the pot stores and the alcohol stores and you know all these essential stores <laughs> and so then they shut that down and because you know, then now you got hundreds of people congregated trying to get their fix while they're going to be stuck at home. And uh, so I think it's a good thing that they've done it. Um, but on on respect to the environmental side of it, I've seen those also where they're saying, oh, look, now that everything's shut down, look at how this area is flourishing. Uh, I disagree. What it is is that uh, it's flourishing because the people aren't there. It's not the oil and gas. It's not the energy side of things. It's it's people. Now, that's just like when I go hunting in the fall, I, I hunt the wilderness. Last thing I want to see when I go up there is where someone forgot to take their uh, trash out or get rid of a fire ring up there. You know, that's what that is about. Is That's why I hunt there so that I'm not around a bunch of different people. And that's just people not being there. You know, if people aren't there, the animals are going to come back and uh, not politicizing it is the is the biggest thing not politicizing it and, and it's uh shameful that that uh, some people are taking advantage of this and uh you know using it to an advantage to to push their agenda forward in the middle of a tragedy you know i was trying to look for the news story that listed the different essential businesses and critical infrastructure and i couldn't find yeah. any news stories so i had to go to the governor's original letter where it lists it there, um, oil and gas production field operators, operations. And 
just even that kind of stinks because they're listing cannabis, they're listing liquor stores, they're listing all these different things and all the other media outlets out there that I'm looking at, and and they're not listing any of this other stuff. They're even listing hotels and things like that, and it's just it, the framework of it is just remarkable to me, and it just never ends. And so I just wanted to take an opportunity to just say, listen. The oil and gas industry is really doing a lot to help heal and fight the corona epidemic from the diesel in the trucks delivering things, from the power that's generating the hospitals to the plastics that's protecting the different testing kits and the vaccines that are coming. Have you guys thought about that as as far as how much the energy industry, specifically the oil and gas, is healing and fighting this corona epidemic? I've thought about it quite a bit, you know, and and we've been talking over the last couple of weeks is, you know, what, first of all, we've got the low oil prices and the issues with OPEC, right? And now we've got this and it's like, you know, we're all worried about it. Um, however, when I, when, when it all comes back, I think it's going to come back in a storm, and and we're going to see the the economy come back maybe better than what it was before this happened. Um, but one thing that I've that we've discussed as far as targeting clients and and looking at certain projects and and you know what what is volatile and what what do we want to chase, what do we not want to chase? Yeah, we're going to keep chasing this stuff. But if there's certain operators where it's like, well, this guy's shutting everything down, like uh, I was told yesterday, and shoots shut, is shutting everything down in the state of Wyoming, waiting for this oil price to come back and and the coronavirus stuff to settle down. Uh, you know, so that's probably not one we're going to be chasing right now. We, we'll still stay in contact, but. Uh, we know that there's not a whole lot we can do for them at this point in time. But thinking about on the plastic side of things and the chemicals, and there's a grassroots plant that's going to be going up in Wyoming's uh, chemical plant. And it's like, well, I have a pretty good idea that that one's going to move forward because there's going to be a higher demand for the, for the chemicals that they're planning to produce. So, you know, I've thought about it. What are your thoughts, Bailey? Absolutely. And honestly... One thing that surprised me and, you know, having my history and track record of being in the industry and being, you know, multiple generations in it, <clears throat> Riley Sassy is a funny one I should bring up. He posts every day an item on LinkedIn that uh, he thanks, you know, oil and gas for essentially making happen. And I, I hate to admit it, there's been two items over the past two months that I didn't even think about or realize. So, I mean, that's something to keep in mind, too. You know, everybody automatically goes to the you know, fuel and, you know, a quart of oil, but there's so much more. I mean, in all this panic, I think the only two things that are getting sold that don't have petrochemicals in them are fruits and toilet paper. <laughs> I got to be honest. That, I, out. I didn't even know hand sanitizer had petroleum products in it. I knew that the container it came in did, but I thought hand sanitizer was primarily alcohol and, and, and uh, a, a few natural products, that sort of thing. But even... Hand sanitizer has petroleum products in it. I like to try to point out to people as much as I can that from the stats I've read, 92% of our everyday items have petroleum products in it from the toothpaste that we brush our teeth with to the toothbrush we brush our teeth with. They have petroleum products in it. So when you think about the cosmetics to the toothbrush to the, you know, if you think about, you know, a, a hypodermic needle, 
everything from the actual chamber of the needle to the plastic that it comes in. I mean, all kinds of different things that people just don't realize on a day-to-day basis. And I'm not trying to be some champion for the oil and gas industry when I say this. All I'm trying to do is say, let's just, before we get crazy, realize what we're talking about before we start trying to, you know, become a governor of a state and try to ban an industry a couple months later, turn around and say they're so essential. We need them out there. Uh, and then, then he turns around and tells everybody to stay home so nobody else dies. I mean, this dude out of Colorado is using sensationalism language like I've never seen before from that type of a position. It just it scares me when politicians get to that extreme talk. And he's and he's one of them. He's definitely one of them. I do want to transition over to your state a little bit uh, with kind of what's going on in the world of oil and gas state of Wyoming. Uh, Bailey, I know you got some background in politics with with your family and everything. So I might just I might just start with you on this. There's been a lot of uh, talk about the state buying up mineral leases and even to buying up some in Utah and in Colorado. I see the pros and cons on that, you know, that sort of thing. But uh, anytime states are buying up mineral leases and in the oil and gas world, I like to get opinions on what people think. Like I said, there's pros and cons to it, but um, I don't know. What what are your thoughts on the state buying up? It's the biggest uh, purchase since I think Alaska is what they said. It is. And uh, I mean, the acreage alone, and I, I've read it a hundred times and I wish I could read it off, but it is a large chunk of property. It's a mass buy. I think it's brilliant. I mean, it's almost as if though they sat down as a state and said, okay, you know, our government as a whole is running the United States like a business, like we should have done. And they must have thought, well, how can we make the next big move as a state to run it as a business? And I mean, why not? It's absolutely amazing concept. But being a realist, I hate to admit it, it's kind of scary because if you allow the state to do that, what does it open up for other states and, you know, our state alone to do next? I mean, if this thing does happen, you know, is it is it really something we should let any form of government be allowed to do and or get involved in? I, that's that's a tough question, right? I mean, I mean, there's a lot of opinions, and like you said, I mean, there's a lot of pros and cons. And if you really dig into it, you can point out the factual information of why it's a pro, and you can point out the factual information on why it's a it's a con decision. But I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's absolutely brilliant, and I never saw it coming. I'm and really, I think of some crazy ideas. I, I'm glad you brought up the vein you did because that that is my one concern, and I do think it does need to be talked about, and it's not a popular topic, which is. When the government gets into business, where does it stop? Because my biggest competitor is the government in terms of if I'm going after a marketing dollar between between the uh, public schools and the park districts and um, the government's trying to get different monies in here and there for their economic developments and everything else like that. My and and they're wrapping buses and, you know, putting up a. signs on billboards out at scoreboards and things. My biggest competitor is the government by a long shot, but nobody ever talks about that. Uh, When I look at even in the state of North Dakota, they've got several water companies now. And I know in Texas, the farmers don't like hearing that because the people in North Dakota didn't, but the state got in the water business. So it it is kind of disturbing when you see states getting into different businesses and picking and choosing where they're going to go after different market share um, because most people don't see it that way. They don't see it that way at all. They look at it as, oh, the government's just helping people. Well, 
One guy in Georgia once told me the only power the government has is to make you homeless. <laughs> and I thought about it and I went, you know, That's a good point. there's a lot of truth behind that, actually. And so anyway, there really is. Hey, hey, Jake, what do you think about Wyoming getting this big, uh, uh, you know, share? Like I said, there's pros and cons to it. And right now, this is just an opinion. So nobody's going to hold you to it. In fact, you can even change your opinion later. Absolutely. That's the, the greatest part about it, right? Well, you know, one thing uh, that I just looked it up, it's a million acres of land and four million acres of mineral rights is it more uh, than colorado no it, uh looking at the map now it looks like it's all basically spanning from uh the park city utah area all the way down i-80 and uh looks like reaches over to uh rollins area and starts heading south and there's a little bit in colorado a little not, bit not near <laughs> as much um I honestly think, you know, why not? Why not let them do it? Because, first of all, they're not going to, you know, just use this land for only that. And then there's going to be other land where they're going to be able to to transfer rights from here to there and open up things for sportsmen and and, uh, things of that nature. But the other thing is is it's, it's opening us up to be able to drill there, create new leases, um, you know, it it could be great. I agree that there's some downsides to it. Uh, there's going to be some pissed off ranchers in the area. I'm sure when, when it does blow up, if it does, but, uh, all in all, if it's, uh, if it's helping our industry move forward, then I'm all about it. Uh, but that's why we got our checks and balances and, and, uh, we got to make sure we got the right people in the government that, uh, our elected officials are going to work for the, for the community and, and not for the special interests. Right. So, that's my short opinion on it. And I haven't read the whole article. I've, I've uh, read clippings of it here and there, but um, I will mention I this and, and we can save this topic for a different day um, because it is, it, it could turn into a whole different uh, dialogue and, and I don't want to lose focus a little bit, but I do want to give you both a homework assignment and we'll reconvene on this particular thing in the state of North Dakota. We've got foreign companies that have been fracking for a decade at least. In the state of Texas, they've got foreign companies not only fracking, but they're building petrochemical plants down in Corpus Christi. Same thing down in Lake Charles, Louisiana. When you've got to pay $15 for natural gas in Europe and it's free or three bucks here in the U.S., a lot of foreign companies are deciding to build over here. We just went through a big energy independence campaign and, and, you know, America first and all these other things. But at the same time, the reality is that we are living in a global economy. So if if the idea behind a state is to come in and kind of be a bridge or a holder for those minerals for the next private person, it very well could be a foreign company. And that's something I think people need to consider. And I think that we're at the point now where the global marketplace is so here now that we have to start thinking like that. And it's not a popular thought. It's not because we like to think we're protecting America and everything. But like I said, it's been, you know, there's companies from China fracking in North Dakota. I mean, so it's nobody likes to talk about that, but that's that's this that's that is the reality. So that is just something, you know, again, we don't know what's happening yet. This is all speculation. This is all just our opinion. And we're at a point right now where everything is on the table. I mean, 
I, I got another topic for you guys. I've seen headlines about nationalizing oil. I can't even believe that's showing up in the headlines, but that is more proof that everything is on the table right now because we're in such different times. So I don't know. What, what are your guys' thought about? Should should topics even be talked about anymore or should we not be talking about things because it's so, we, we're in such un, uh, unpredictable times? Don, well, I, go ahead, Bailey. Uh, it's going to be talked about if we don't. So, you know, I'd Amen. rather you know, us get in front of it and then instead of wait for everybody else to bring it up and then be behind it. And, and that's why I wanted to bring up that foreign company example, because that's that is part of the conversation I haven't heard anybody talk about yet. And I don't know if we're even ready to have that conversation, because I think some people might be still pretty passionate about that. You know, I think uh, if foreign companies want to come here and drill, uh, why not do it? But do not make it easier for them than it is for an American owned company. Uh, you know, let, let's do the same thing that they do to us when, when our companies go over there. Require them, for example, in Mexico. Uh, we were looking at a, a large refinery project two years ago, and uh, we were about to go all in on it. And then uh, they told us everything from superintendent and below has to be uh, locally hired. And it's like, well, no, superintendent and above needs to be our people or we can't guarantee a successful project. So we ended up backing away from it. So I think things like that, you know, make sure that if the foreign company's coming in, that they're putting local work to help uh, to get things going and, and employing the, the local communities. Furthermore, uh, you know, when we go over there, we pay higher taxes. Uh, Mexico's a, a perfect example. They got the gringo tax. If you own something in Mexico, you pay 30% higher than anyone else that, that owns anything there. If you bring a piece of equipment across the border, it is uh, getting taxed. Um, you know, so, so long as we're protecting the national interests and not making it easy for people to come exploit our great American capitalistic system, then I think it's great. Why not? Uh, but again, let's let's keep uh, America first. Let's let's push that agenda. And and uh, if someone wants to come here and make some money, why not? But let's just make sure that the United States is is getting their fair share. And and uh, you know, don't want to gouge anyone, but uh, that's the name of the game, right? That's capitalism. Right on. And good points there. And like I said, that's definitely we're gonna have to revisit this topic at another time because it's. Uh, Boy, you could probably do an, a week-long show just based on that because it, there's so many angles to it. And, and like you say, the tax part of it. And I think most people are cool with it, you know. Let's just keep the money circulating, keep people working, keep everything moving along. And most people are going to be happy for the most part. So, hey, Bailey, um, talk to me about who your customer is, who, what you guys are looking for for some work and et cetera. Because that's one of the big reasons why I'm bringing people on. The program is to you know give them an opportunity to let people know hey we're still open we're still you know looking for business and we can we you know we might not do it for a few weeks but we want to get something on the books i think the big thing is a lot of incense stuff you know with everything happening and you know there are people getting sick and having to minimize the the amount of individuals that are working someplace like maintenance projects uh power plants refineries asphalt plants chemical plants uh paper mills, all kinds of industries, you know, that may need a group of people to come in to help because they can't cover that as well as, 
you know, the projects that are getting ready to kick off, you know, ensuring that we're there to help them put together a good concept with the right people. There's, there's no reason why we, they should maximize all the projects they have with a low headcount when we can come in and help support that. Uh, in, in every state, too, I mean, if we can make it applicable. I mean, even if Colorado, you know, with all the issues they have, we're more than willing. We'll properly, you know, manage our health and safety. But it's just a straight shot interstate drive to go assist on, you know, tank batteries, uh, anything they may have. Jake, how about you from your perspective? What, what are you looking for over the next few months, you know, in terms of getting business on the books? And, you know, is there any specific customers that, you know, that you guys are looking to add in the next year? Well, absolutely. We're always trying to uh, to get new MSAs and, and form new partnerships. Um, you know, as far as the specifics, I don't want to get into that. But, uh, huh. you know, we, we are... Uh, Come on, give us we're, your business plan here. Come on. <laughs> we're, we're trying to be conservative, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> We're uh, we're looking at the uh, monitoring the oil and gas uh, side of things. You know, we're we're tr- doing our best to to help that uh, those partnerships out and uh, just watching and, and kind of getting their feelings and as to where things are going, where they expect them to be in the next few months and and year. Um, I, I think that on that side of things, just as they are pulling back on the the spending and the projects, we're uh, we're we're doing the same uh, to an extent, you know, we're, we're still finishing up the projects we got. We're looking at the projects that are, that are still on the books and, and going at those full force, but we're, we're looking at uh, other options also. Um, just in the last couple of weeks, we've been bidding on uh, sugar plants in North Dakota, um, paper plants in Idaho. Um, got a, uh, a, a alkali, plants here in wyoming that we're looking at so you know we're we're kind of we're paying real close attention to the energy market but looking out at all these other places that we can serve and and uh trying to make sure that we get a good backlog two months ago i would have told you this probably was going to be our best year yet right now it's kind of up in the air we don't know which way it's going to go uh the one you know the project over in powell wyoming it's not a significantly large project but it was a project we were really looking forward to and uh you know that one right now yep you guys got the job but uh we're holding on to the po until uh things settle down uh that's an oil and gas project so we've got to conform to what the markets are doing and uh that's exactly the way that we're we're looking at these things you know we're like i said still chasing the oil and gas industry but uh until uh we start hearing from these operators that, yep, things are starting to change and, and we're looking at making, doing more projects. Uh, we've got to do what we got to do to stay in business and, and uh, chase these other avenues in the meantime. Yeah, certainly some interesting times we're living in. And I think a lot of people would mirror your comments about, you know, going into the year, boy, projects on the books, everything, the momentum was looking great. And then, you know, in a matter of a couple of weeks, there isn't anybody doing anything in Russia and, and, and OPEC and Saudi Arabia, you get a double shock coming from the supply side, a double shock from the de- demand side. You know, it's just, it's something like we've never seen before. And diversification is so very important. You know, you mentioned agriculture, you mentioned, I think some municipalities uh, type of a type of work. 
What in just kind of closing here, um, what are you hearing from your colleagues out there? You know, you've mentioned what you guys are doing, but without naming any names, are, are you guys talking to, you know, p- people, what they're doing, what their thoughts are? Are they, you know, are they still feeling confident at this point or are they getting a little bit nervous? I think everyone's nervous. Um, and there's been a lot of talk, uh, whether it be right here in the office, uh, you know, uh, our safety professionals talking to the previous employers and, and colleagues uh, all around the board uh, and then talking to the people that we have typical day-to-day interaction with and, and seeing where they're going and, and what they're thinking and, and uh, what's being passed down from the top to them. And um, I think everyone's nervous right now. Uh, energy market is, you know, I think is the biggest, uh, the knee jerk reaction is, is, uh, not happening quite yet but some people are doing that like i mentioned that i heard and i don't know for sure but i heard that and shoots is is plugging all their wells this month and uh in reaction to the oil markets and and the coronavirus so you know it's it's play it by ear see what everyone's doing and and uh hopefully we can stay ahead of it and so that we're not trying to play catch up when this thing comes roaring back here's the fact jason you know me being a gentleman and scholar uh there's social separation. You know what I'm doing? Social exploration. I'm talking to people. I'm out and about. I mean, most of the people are down, you know, and they're, you know, concerned and they're asking me what I've heard. But at the same point, you know, I'm staying positive. There's, you know, we're all in it together. You know, no matter what industry we're working in, we need to partner up and make things happen. You know, I'm a customer service kind of guy, Jason. Help me help you. I'm not, I don't sell anything. I'm just here to make things happen. Well, let's wrap up here. And I do want to apologize that um, you guys didn't have a better showing in the March Madness Crude Life Tournament. I, I see you got bounced in the second round by who was it, Crestwood, which, you know, Crestwood. that's a hey, Crestwood, a number one seed. That's not, you know, nothing to sneeze at, of course. But uh, I don't know if you guys have been following the tournaments at all, but it uh, certainly has been. Uh, a nice distraction for for some folks out there. I've been, yeah, I've been watching it, and I was pretty bummed this morning when I seen that. <laughs> uh, I mean, at but, least it was Crestwood. I mean, I'll yeah, give you that. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Boy, uh, they got they, they got the uh, canine uh, pipe inspections in the next round. The thirteen seeds been pulling off upsets, and uh, that's they, they've gotten some magic dice rolls for sure. <laughs> <laughs> And we're, we're, what we're trying to do actually for the final four, so if you know anybody, let me know. I might have to call Coach Bull down there at the University of Wyoming and, and see if he knows somebody. But for the final four, I'm hoping I can evolve it to like an eSports actual thing to where we get a couple athletes or oil and gas people to you know, represent the final four teams and play on a Twitch account or something like that. I'll figure it out, but I, I do want to evolve past the dice to a new form of competition for the final four. So if you guys know any eSport athletes that want to step up to the plate, well, I'm looking. All right. Keep our ears to the ground. You got any picks? You got? You want to make any predictions for who, who do you think is going to win the whole thing? Canine. <laughs> oh, whoa. That would be the upset of 13 seed. That would be like Loyola Chicago winning it a couple of years ago. I think that was the Villanova year. Go ahead. Crestwood's going to take them. Crestwood's going to take them out and, and take it all. 
I think you're probably right. Crestwood is looking pretty tough. You know, the one seeds, they have a distinct advantage, especially when they take on a 13 seed. You know, the more of the interesting matchups, like Johnny Green as the nine seed against Trunkwood as the five, you know, that's only a four-point difference. Like, you guys, you had to give up eight points out of the gate, so you were right at a disadvantage. You know what I mean? Oh, and I re- – oh, that's right. Oh, I rolled so bad for you guys. That's right. I think I got snake eyes a dozen times. <laughs> I felt so bad. Anyway. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, I know. I, I could just imagine you guys watching it and saying, what, does he hate us? I mean, just <laughs> – <laughs> I do remember that one because that was my worst dice rolling the whole tournament. And I just felt so bad because, um, you know, it, it was just awful. But anyway, so, well, I appreciate you guys, you know, participating. And at least you won the first round. And, you know, we'll keep the, you got the logo up on the deal. So you, you get to ride those coattails the rest of the tournament way. So hopefully we can get you some exposure and people can have some fun with it and play along and et cetera. But uh, any final words, you guys? Don't let quality go to the wayside. Give us a call because we'll make sure. Absolutely. Uh, safety, quality, productivity in that order. Uh, I'd like to add one more thing. You know, we uh, Through all these economic hard times, we've been uh, planning to do some expansion and broaden our horizons. Uh, you know, We are uh, in the process of starting a couple more companies. Um, we're going to start uh, Wyoming Industrial Construction and move our steel building side of things over there. Uh, we're not going to really chase any of the mechanicals or any that we don't want to go into competition with our our greatest uh general contractors that we work for so we're not looking to do that but um talking about starting up a consulting and and management firm as well um all going to be under the wic name uh just uh, going to spread it out and uh so within the next uh six months i'd say that you'll see three new wic entities pop up to listen to the full-length interview Visit thecrudelife.com. You better make a little room at the top for a regular Joe. Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative. The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. I all and jamming for all my friends. That's you, Jason. And you'll hear me say from a mile away that I'm the luckiest man I know. You better make a little room at the top for a regular Joe. Welcome back to the Crude Live podcast. My name is Jason Spees, the North Dakota Nomad. We have Provolone, our entitled intern man in the production elements of the podcast. We're going to keep moving along, folks, because we have John Clark. Clark Energy Consulting going to come up in just a moment or two. Matthew Hill is our next guest. He's going to join us on our Bach and Barbecue phone lines. And also Brandon Davis is still set to join us. So we've got a jam-packed show today. John Clark, Clark Energy Consulting, still to come. Matthew Hill, Night Energy, getting ready right now as we're setting up the phone lines. Bailey Midkiff and Jake Milney with WIC. We just got done speaking with them. And Brandon Davis with Swan Energy is our daily radio update here on our podcast. All right, Provolone, I see the thumbs up. Good deal. Let's get a mic level check, and we'll just roll right into it. If you don't mind, Provolone and Matthew Hill with Night Energy. Well, I'm Matt Hill, and I work for Night Energy Services. Uh, Right now, I'm in Oklahoma, uh, actually Edmond, Oklahoma. 
And my levels look good. Your levels look good. All right, let's officially start this interview. I mean, we've talked a little bit off the air where we said we should have had some things rolling, so we had to start rolling, so the levels are looking good. Uh, and how you doing today? You're at Home Depot getting some last-minute items before you go into a mandatory, uh, I don't know what they call it, a stay-at-home type of a law. We got the same thing happen in my state coming on Friday, so talk to me about what you're currently doing. Well, uh, as you know, uh, we're all been uh, asked to uh, shelter at home as much as possible to keep uh, the coronavirus at bay. And when you do that, you happen to uh, look at all the things as you're taking meetings online and Skyping and reaching out to everybody to keep in contact and make sure the wool field is going okay. Uh, I'm sure a lot, uh, most of our uh, colleagues are in the same boat. They're like, oh, my gosh, it's hard to work at home. You got all these uh, pressures on you to, hey, I need to help with the kids. and I need to help this and I need to fix a light bulb or whatever. So, you know, I've been doing the home office thing for about 15 years. There was three years where I was in an office, but primarily over the last 15 years and the one thing that I noticed that was the really hard secret thing to adjust to was how easily you could go to the break room or the water cooler or get some coffee or just stop by a cubes, you know, an, an, an adjoining neighbor either by the office or the cube and have a three minute, five minute discussion throughout the day. That's the one thing that working at home that was just really kind of snuck up on me a little bit that I really did miss was having that office camaraderie, having those little breaks throughout the day. And what I found was exactly what you're talking about. I'm like, you know, I suppose I could replace that light bulb now. And then pretty soon I found myself doing more home projects than actual work during the day. So it's, it's an interesting balance. It is. It's, and and it just goes to remind me constantly how important our network is because we've all, uh, been reaching out. I've been doing a, a uh, oh, I'd say a market study and just calling all the operators with, you know, all my friends that are engineers and uh, getting in touch with them and saying, hey, how's your business? What's your plans this year? You know, what are you guys doing with drilling, completion, production, workovers, fishing, uh, manufacturing? You know, you need parts for anything. I mean, just seeing how you can be a part of what they're going through. You know, I mean, we're all in this together with uh, not just the coronavirus, of course, uh, knocking us in the teeth a little bit, but uh, also with the uh, Russia and Saudi dumping all the oil on the markets and our uh, oil prices being hit so hard. We're just, you know, we're reeling a lot. So now is the more than ever, those of us, you know, still fighting the fight have to work, I'd say, out of respect for those that are getting laid off, just doubly hard. You mentioned the one-two punch of the OPEC, Russia, Saudi Arabia supply demand shock, and then on the other side, the coronavirus supply demand shock. You know, there was conversation yesterday I had with Jim Willis from Marcellus Drilling News, and he brought up a good point, you know, that this this kind of the, the shock to the demand side and the shock to the um, supply side is really kind of unprecedented happening at the same time like that. And, 
it it was a one-two punch like the industry's never seen before. And that's why I'm glad that you're joining us today because it seems like everywhere we go and in terms of online, there's negative news and all this cutting back and this and that. But at the end of the day, we still need to power the grid. And last time I checked, natural gas and fossil fuels or hydrocarbons are a big part of that grid. And without even getting into the distribution chain, just keeping the lights on and the ventilators going and, and just the sheer basic hospitals, the energy industry has to keep trucking along, keep moving along. And, and from what I understand, you guys at um, Night Energy are one of those companies that are fortunate enough to have work in, in Shale Play USA. And um, talk to me a little bit about that. You guys are, you guys are currently ha have some jobs and are working and things seem to be pretty positive, huh? We're, we're positive. I mean, we, we all, you know, have gone through a uh, restructuring at night before any of this, you know, so we're running lean and mean and are poised to help you know, all the operators that are going to stay in it so that they're going to have the rental equipment and services that they need at an affordable price with, you know, partners in every basin. Because there's, there's no place on U.S. land that we can't be to help them out. So any operator can look to us and say, hey, I need your services more than ever because, you know, so many vendors are taking a hit and can't help us anymore. So we've got full staff, you know, full equipment ready to be there. And, 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 that's, and that's drilling, completion, production, workovers, uh, inspection, manufacturing. So there's no part of the oil and gas sector uh, on that side of it that we can't step in with, you know, amazing people, talent, and innovation and uh expertise you know on how to you know help out their organization and support them one of the questions i do like to ask people especially when we're talking about the oil and gas industry and business is you know who is your customer and you you did kind of mention you know a, a lot of the different things that you that you guys service so i, I in, at the same vein sometimes you know somebody's customer can literally be 20 people in the United States. And on the other hand, it can be somebody, you know, like a, an insulation company who really can venture into the world of agriculture and other areas too. So with, with that in mind, you know, like there's, I, I used to joke, you know, Hey man, there's not a lot of people out there that can afford your half a million dollar generator. You got a very small market, you know, but the good news is it's a very small market. You know who to go after, but sounds to me like you guys can really service a lot of different people and, and everything. So who, who is your customer, I guess? Oh gosh. Uh, I mean, I'd say any operator that uh, has wells, I mean, whether it be the, the guy that's going to go out and services well maybe replace some casing, you know, they, they may only have a couple uh, wells a year that they work over and keep the production up, or it can be Chevron in the Gulf that needs, you know, drill pipe for, you know, an entire string of drill pipe to go and drill. So from big to small on the operator side, whether it be horizontal or vertical, there's something that we can do to help everybody. So we've been very fortunate to, have such a broad market and it gives me the opportunity personally to speak to 
everybody from, you know, from the top down. I mean, you know, can I help you as a president, vice president, operations managers, uh, drilling completion production engineers, superintendents, company man. I mean, there's just nobody that we don't want to support and see how we can, you know, be part of their success because they, everybody needs somebody to reach out to in this. I mean, and, and that's been, that's when we're good times or bad, you know, but right now, uh, especially we've all come together. I mean, you know, on and on inside of our own company, I'm very proud of the way uh, my team in particular is always making sure that the customer is number one. What are we doing to help them? Uh, has anybody reached out and said, Hey, we need a discount right now. Let's get with them and, and see what we can do because the oil prices took such a hit and they may need to still go take care of some operations. What can we do to, can we dig deep and give them discounts right now? That's a really tough question because, you know, I understand where the oil companies are coming from. And first of all, I don't think the energy companies have ever hid that. You know, they're, most of them are publicly traded and they kind of have to, you know, adhere to the shareholders and balance sheets and all that other stuff. So I get where they're coming from. But at the same time, back in 2015, that same request was made. And a lot of the service companies did that. And I don't know if how much more blood you can get from the turnip, if you know what I mean. And what, what, all, kind, of, what kind of response are you hearing? Yeah, what kind of response um, are you getting from people on that request? Because they were public with the request, you know, a couple of weeks sure. ago, asking for a 25% reduction. Yeah, and guess what? They're, you know, if they're not asking it because they want to. They're asking it because they they have well, you know, they have wells to take care of, whether right. it be going to get a new one or uh, go and work over an old one. But they want to stay operating. They want their partners to stay in business. So they're, you know, they're smart and saying, hey, you know, our partners right now, let's all come together and see if we can go do this cheaper. We know what what innovations have we made as an industry to make this where it's faster, cheaper, quicker, uh, better. I mean, the, the, all I've seen since I've started in this industry 15, 16, 17 years ago now is able to go and drill uh, more wells with fewer dollars. And that's amazing. I mean, that, that technology and innovation has come just from times like these. Mm-hmm. So, Hey, I'm following I, you. I mean, you, you've, you've seen our, our price sheets. You've seen how we've cut our costs and made it so it's streamlined. So it can be done even from the PR standpoint to, you know, the frack sand pan standpoint to a lot of different standpoints. It's depending on where you're going to streamline and where you're going to put your in, focus and investment, if that makes sense. I mean, yep. like I'm saying, even from my standpoint, I, I did. I, I invest my money. I want to return on my investment as well. You know, and of course, being a, uh, <laughs> as you see on my LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and anything social media, there's really, uh, you know, I have quite a bit of focus directed at us supporting our industry and making sure that 
everybody in the entire world understands that oil and gas exploration and development and used as an energy source is really our most reliable, affordable, abundant possibility we have on this planet. And it's my or it's my moral obligation to want to make people's lives better. My you know, my grandfather was always like, Matt, take care of your bubble. That's your wife and your kids. You know, take care of God, take care of your wife and kids, then start reaching out from that bubble. Well, we've been very fortunate and, you know, sticking by that, and God's been good to us, and we constantly are hoping to help others. And part of that is third world countries that don't have energy. That You know, there's people in huts cooking with, uh, you know, cow patties. I mean, that just boggles me in today's age that we don't, work harder to supply oil and gas across the globe so that everybody has a chance to have lifestyle. There's nobody in the world that doesn't want to live like Americans do. Nobody. We are still the land of the free and opportunity. And I'm just, I'm, I'm blessed and fortunate to be here as part of the industry that can solve all the world's problems. Matt Hill, Night Energy, our guest, and one of the main reasons why we wanted to bring him on today was I believe that there is not enough rhetoric and not enough conversations being had right now by the media about the oil and gas petroleum industry's contribution to healing and fighting the coronavirus epidemic. Now, whether it's from powering the ventilators, whether it's from the plastics, that the testing kits come in or whether it's the diesel fuel that the truckers are using in order to get things from point A to point B. I want to bring Matt on to talk a little bit about oil and gas's contribution to, to healing and fighting the, the planet right now because this is a global epidemic. It's now being hit in the United States. Matt's down in Oklahoma and he's he's got... Uh, uh, a lockdown or a, a shutdown, or I don't know how, how they're phrasing it in your neck of the woods, but it's kind of a mandatory stay home. And if you get proper permission, you can go to the store type of a thing. We've got the same thing happening up in the Bakken here. So it's this is this is a global issue. Um, I'm seeing more headlines about how the the climate change is, is, is being positive because of this instead of all the positive that oil and gas is doing to help this. So Talk to me a little bit about how you're seeing the energy industry, primarily the oil and gas industry, healing and fighting this this epidemic. I mean, you and I kind of went down this rabbit hole yesterday when we started talking and decided to go on air with this. Is if you chase that, there's there's not one thing in anyone's life that hasn't been touched by oil and gas. I mean. <laughs> we, the all the plastics that go into all the machinery to keep people breathing. Uh, I mean, just ventilators alone. But your your face masks, your 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 suits. I mean, hazmat suits or the Tyvek suits that look like the painters wear with those you know dust particle masks. I mean, there's just no end. Light cans of Lysol, rubber gloves. Uh, I mean, everything I see at home when you start looking at it, you know, because I'm, I'm proud of our industry. So you see, you look around and say, well, what am I, you know, what are we doing? What are we part of? Oh, there's nothing that we're not. There's not one comfort 
there's not one comfort that we enjoy that hasn't been created by that opportunity hasn't been created by oil and gas. You know, I, I, I will fight tooth and nail to make sure that my heater comes on in the winter by natural gas. There's, you know, I, I want my dishwasher to work with the electricity produced by natural gas. I just, I can't believe that as a country, it's not the single most important thing to everybody in their heads is, hey, we have to have our energy at all times ready to go. So is our energy source reliable? I'm sorry to, you know, people that love uh, uh, the idea that renewables could possibly be the way, but I just don't see it. I don't, you know, there's the science isn't there. You know, I think you'd have to have a giant windmill in every single person's backyard to even come close to uh, providing enough energy for a couple days. But every single, you know, (laughs) that's all those things are made from oil and gas being available to go and harvest the metals. So we, we, if we go put a straw on the ground with the technology that we have and we have energy, it just it, on and on down the line, we have medical supplies to battle this stuff that there's, we're, we're all in a bind if we don't have uh, oil and gas to fight this, you know, virus. I'm looking at the uh, Governor Polis out of Colorado. Are you familiar with uh, Governor Jared Polis out of Colorado? Yeah, I mean, they've Colorado. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. We, with, with, with Texas and Oklahoma think we have problems with regulations and people not understanding what we do. And then, you know, I have, uh, you know, we have people in Colorado uh, to take care of, you know, our, our business over there. They just, I, I constantly get to be on the phone with them, finding out what they're facing. Or when I get to go to Denver and see all all my customers in Denver, they're just like, man, these people don't get it. They don't understand what we're fighting for. We're fighting for our lives, it seems to me, to be able to go and explore, you know, our resources. Here's the thing that I don't understand, and I'm, I'm a member of the news media and have been for over 20 years, and I've won awards in the newspaper industry and in the radio industry for... for I love doing. what you do, by the way. I, I can't say it enough. I mean, every time we get a chance to talk, like I'm, I'm very impressed by uh, your contribution to us having a, another voice in our industry well, I appreciate that, and and this is this is a voice that I want to get out there right now, which is I can't believe that there's not a major media outlet in Colorado where the front page headline does not read Governor Polis cites oil and gas as critical essential businesses. How is that not a front page headline? That go- the, there has been a front page headline that says war on oil and gas out of that gentleman's mouth. I mean, that, that guy has demonized oil and gas for the last two years to where he wrote a book called The Colorado Blueprint to get rid of oil and gas. And now, during All this sudden, crisis, oh, now it's it, it's a critical business. And yeah, listen, I understand that all, this, is probably not, this is probably not the best time to point it out, but when is the best time to point it out? Because to me, 
This goes against everything this guy's been trying to politic against, and he's trying to cost people thousands of dollars. He's trying to put an industry out of business, and now he admits that it's critical? That, I don't understand. Oh, that's not the front page. Sorry, man. I got my soapbox there. No, yeah, yeah. I, I get on mine, too. If I get a group of people together, that's the first thing we go to. I mean, it's, it's in all of our, it's in the forefront of our minds. We, uh, we had our AADE symposium just a few days really before all this coronavirus really uh, started. We were lucky to have uh, Richard Spears uh, come speak. And, ma- and many other engineers, you know, given their uh, their case studies. But Richard was our keynote, and he reminded us in so many ways how to, uh, you know, just thank goodness we have the one gas just for our medicines. There, there's really, <laughs> there's really very few. I can't think of any medicines unless you're going out in the woods and tapping a, you know, a willow trying to create your own aspirin. But for everything else. Oil and gas have created our modern medicine, and it's why we have better lives and we can live longer and fight fight sickness and and disease. So, so we all talk about it. We're we're a fan. I mean, the oil and gas industry is, you know, it's really it's it's not a huge amount of people when you think about it globally. There, yes, we have a lot of people, but those that are in it, we you know we all consider each other family and when we get together we 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 share and we love talking about how we contribute and supporting each other but we all need to do a lot better job because it's it's really easy to talk to each other about what we do and be proud of it but we all need to have the courage to talk to our neighbors and our you know our friends outside of the industry and remind them why we do what we do, how we do it, that it's not sabotaging the environment. In fact, the environment's done nothing but get better. The more, the more technology and innovation and exploration of oil and gas that we've done, the better the environment has gotten. <laughs> I might have to fight that science on Twitter, but you know, we also have a lot of numbers to back us up. No, it's true. I mean, if you go back 150 years ago, um, we've gone from burning hay and wood and whales and coal. And, you know, we've, we've been decarbonizing as a species for the last 150 years, long before the Sierra Club came around. That's, that's just fact. And, when you take a look at the amount of, of hydrocarbons that are that are left in, like, say, a natural gas, you're down to basically one. So we, we have been evolving towards this naturally. You know, I, I used to joke that there was a time when you could barely see the mountains in California back in the 90s. And right. innovation and, and, and a number of different, you know, pressures from the marketplace took care of it. And... These are the types of things that are happening. You know, we, we've been following the Meridian Energy Group and some of the, the advancements they've been making in the refinery. And really, when you look at the innovation that's happening, it, it couldn't even happen without oil and gas. And now they want to, I, I just, it just, it's so different to me how easily logic gets thrown out the window on thrown out the, the window. this industry where it we, just I, I i don't even we, know how to communicate we sent people to space we have satellites orbiting our planet we know 
you know, we, we've been able to explore the, the universe because of oil and gas, because we as a species came up with innovative ways to find more energy. The more energy you have, the better off your lives are going to be. And oil and gas is the one way where we have a efficient, the, the, you know, uh, reliable, abundant, affordable source of that energy. There's, there's nothing we can't do uh, as human beings. We, we, I mean, this, we haven't we well, we haven't found any limits to what we can do yet because we have the energy to do it but so people demonizing going to get more energy just has always been yeah the logic out the window you throw you throw that out the window when you're like oh no take away people's energy why what on earth are you thinking so what, what's next for you guys? Uh, kind of wrapping up here, you guys have got some activity. You've got some business at the same time. You're adjusting to the uh, new normal, which is, you know, home officing. You know, there's a number of people that are probably never going to go back to the office. And there's some people that, you know, they'll probably go to the office less. And there's some people go back full time as well. There's some people that are going to continue to work out in the field and their job ain't going to change one bit either. So um, when it comes to you and... You know, we were talking yesterday, you know, all of a sudden now can't you can't... to get back into Woolfield events. Well, I was going to say, man, I, it, we I, were talking me, yesterday. I, like, and... I love people. I like putting my arms around them. I like hugs. I like handshakes. I like, I, I'll even take the elbow bump right now. Well, man, I know we're it's... not supposed to be close enough. But it's just not the same having a, a lunch it's just Skype. Not the same. You know, having yeah. Skype over lunch ain't the same as it is going out and having, you know, a, a couple... I... I like lining. I like to fill up my calendar with so many meetings that I'm filling it up like two months, three months in advance. Like I'm, I'm constantly wanting to see somebody face to face and seeing them in person so we can talk, talk about what what they do. Somebody wise told me many, many years ago, and you know, nothing I've ever done has come from my own innovation. It's, it's been really learn by uh knowing the right people and they're like matt networking isn't about what somebody can do for you it's about what you can do for others when you meet somebody for the first time and you get the privilege of listening to them and learning about what they do in life like that's such an amazing gift an opportunity to see if there's any possible way you might be able to help them in life and the older i get you know that's just that wisdom you know just it keeps setting in more and more it's like man that that was just the greatest thing i've heard so as an industry i think we've all done a really good job of that is helping each other and, and i i put our industry up against any other to show how we do that I mean, there's there's nowhere else I've ever seen that people come together and find ways. You know, we're a can-do kind of industry. There's there's nothing we can't figure out how to get done. So how can people get in touch with you and give you guys some business? Uh, of course, you can always uh, – uh, <laughs> Night Energy Services, luckily, we have uh, – 
we have our LinkedIn, we have our Facebook, we have Twitter, we have Instagram. Uh, you can get a hold of me at uh, matt.hill at ke.services. Um, of course, you can always call me. My, my number is posted there, too. I love ta- talking with people and seeing how we can work together or, or network together in the future. Uh, as soon as everything comes back to normal, I really hope that everybody gets out and starts supporting your industry events again. We have, you know, we're blessed here in Oklahoma. It's a big, you know, oilfield market. We have the AADE, the SPE, the Oilfield Helping Hands, the API, the IADC. Uh, I mean, just on and on, all of our industry uh, events and meetings need to be supported more than ever. You know, all the all the Oilfield companies that go out and do the charity sh- clay shoots and the golf tournaments, all that's going to start again. So hopefully everybody will be prepared to come back together and see each other and uh, get back to meetings. I, we're all going to come through this. We just all got to make sure and support each other and see how you can help each other. You know, find, find ways each day to help somebody no matter what. To listen to the full-length interview, visit thecrudelife.com. But now I'm back at the bar again. Hanging out with all my rowdy friends Getting drunk and singing redneck songs I'll probably stay here, baby, all night long Pour me a beer and a shot The Crude Life is sponsored in part by Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever the model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. Ice cold whiskey glass. Hanging out with friends and having a blast. My mom and dad think it's a waste of time. Not anymore. Drinking beer and riding redneck rhymes. I think I'll do it just as long as I can. That's why I'm back at the bar again. Welcome back to The Crude Life. My name is Jason Spees. Thank you, folks, for joining us. We're going to be joined now with John Clark with Clark Energy Consulting to talk about some of, not so much the recent activity that's going on in oil and gas. We had the Federal Reserve on yesterday. Of course, that's available at The Crude Life podcast if you want to check out uh, their report that they sent in, the audio from it. John Clark, I wanted to bring on more about the unemployment side, about kind of that shock to the system, if you will, to tackle it from that angle. And I, I think he's probably been checking it out a little bit, can offer a few things. So, John, how are you doing today? Hey, Jason. I'm doing well. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. By the way, before we get into the meat and potatoes, uh, how's your home office doing? Is this something that you had already done or... Was it an easy transition, or are you still kind of uh, learning the ropes? Yeah, so I've, I've been working from home for some time. Uh, definitely with uh, the Texas being on lockdown, we've um, had some time to clean up house, and so I reorganized my office a little bit. I had a couple web meetings uh, last week, so I got a uh, like a video conference set up and starting to see more and more people doing that, which is, which is really cool. It's... Uh, you know, despite, you know, the uncertain times and kind of the difficulty the economy's facing, it's exciting to at least see that 
uh, people are still able to make the most of it and we can even record this podcast together from our own the safety of our homes and then it kind of goes to show how technology has come a long ways and that's a great point to bring up because as people are really going through some uncertain times right now and that is including a lot of people that are currently employed like i talked to a guy yesterday in the auto body world and they've got 75 employees that they just had a meeting yesterday and they said next week either you're going to be laid off or (laughs) the other one you know type of a thing because they don't have anything in the books and what do you do? So it, this is going beyond the oil and gas sector, but at the same time, this really is impacting the oil and gas industry to the tune all the way down to the cafe owner. Because on, on this program here, the crude life, everybody from the CEO to the water haulers, to the drill bit manufacturers, to the cafe owners, to media people and consultants, we are energy. You know, we are the Energy United, we are the ones that really are the midstream, upstream, salmon stream, and in between streams. So when you're looking at the numbers, I mean, I looked yesterday, it was at a million. I think today it was at 2.5. If I refresh it, it'll probably be even more. What, uh, what, what tea leaves are you reading? What advice are you leaning towards? Uh, go ahead and just kind of uh, uh, t- take that uh, comment and turn it into a question, however you want for a response, I guess, because I didn't even really ask you a question. No, yeah, well, I I I, I read the Wall Street Journal pretty frequently. I think uh, I have it pulled up. They, they're quoting th- now it's three point three million uh, unemployed claims last week. Uh, probably will continue to grow. Uh, so I thought it'd be fitting to kind of have a conversation on how to navigate layoffs in uncertain times. Um, Obviously, oil and gas sector, uh, this is really the second downturn we've had in in four years, four or five years. And so, uh, if anything, our industry has gone through this recently, myself included. Uh, But, you know, like you mentioned, it's rippling through the economy and and many sectors that uh, haven't faced, you know, a downturn um, or or been laid off in their career. And, And I'm here to to kind of share some tips, you know, in my experience, uh, I, I really think, you know, it's easy to at first kind of um, be down on yourself. And, and, and one, one challenge I had uh, navigating through a layoff was um, just having the self-confidence to put myself out there and continue to, to network with people and reach out. And, and I would say, don't, don't be afraid to, to let your network know or reach out because people understand, obviously this is a, global crisis we're going in right now and and it's unprecedented time so uh you know certainly don't don't feel like it's your individual you know fault for a layoff it's this in this especially in this environment it's it's more uh, external factors you know it's nothing within your own control so that's one one piece of advice um, the other part is network and and continue to network and, and that's why i think being able to work from home and and the technologies like zoom meetings and um, FaceTime, you know, just even sending a text message or a LinkedIn message, uh, even, you know, commenting, just try, trying to stay socially engaged through social media and other, you know, technologies is is definitely, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of people get jobs from posting on LinkedIn or, um, you know, making themselves, you know, available to, to chat over the phone or, or you know, once uh, these lockdowns are lifted, you know, go meet for a coffee or lunch and, and uh, try and build that into your your daily routine because it you know let's face it it can be 
uh, emotionally and mentally draining, especially when you, you know, you're at home and you see the news and uh, everything sounds gloomy. And uh, certainly we are going through unprecedented times, but I, I would just encourage everyone or anyone that's facing that to, you know, stay positive and, you know, things will recover. They always do. Uh, and, uh, you know, try to try to do the best you can to, to engage your network and, and um, don't don't get too down on yourself. What do you think, Jason? I, I think well, I, I think what you brought up is is some important points. And I'd like to elaborate on two of them specifically. One of them is that I think it is really important to point out that it is not their fault because that is something that is very difficult for the average person to grasp, even when they know it. I mean, like right now, anybody who gets laid off, everybody's going to say it's the economy, it's a Corona, it's Russia, it's OPEC. There's a thousand things to name. It's, it's environmentalists, it's Greta, you name it, man. There's a million, hundred thousand different justifications for somebody getting laid off. But at the end of the day, they're still going to say, why me? And I think it's important to remind yourself that it, it is not you. It's, it, it, is a, it is a bigger thing that's going on here. And sometimes that is tough. Even when you know it, it's still tough to accept. So I'm glad that you pointed that out because I did want to elaborate that sometimes even when you do know it, it's still hard to accept. Does that make sense to you, John? Right. No, and I, I experienced that firsthand, you know, and um, it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it can be easy to get down on yourself. Um, but there's, like you said, there's so many other factors going on right now and, uh, you know, if we talk about specifically the energy sector right now, um, you know, obviously we're hit with a triple whammy. You know, the coronavirus has shocked demand. Uh, Saudis increased supply. So, I mean, that's the whole market itself is just tumbled. We're at 23 bucks or below $23 a barrel uh, for oil and about a buck seventy for natural gas. So, I mean, these are unprecedented levels. And I think you know, part of the reason that I wanted to talk about layoffs, you know, I'm, I'm starting to hear more and more closer to home uh, colleagues that are um, being let go. And I think there could be more, you know, in the coming weeks. So um, it's, it's, it's certainly happening. I, I think if you look back to 2016 when we saw the price of oil drop to like 28 bucks, uh, it rebounded pretty quickly. Like I think it was only below $30 for a couple of days. Uh, we've been well below 30 for I think over a week now. Uh, so this is certainly a lower for longer environment. I think, you know, what, uh, you know, obviously prices will swing, especially oil prices known to be volatile. Uh, I think, you know, it will certainly come back, but I, I do think we're also in a lower for longer period of another year or two. And so the other pieces of advice that I would give is, um, you know, tr try to reinvent yourself or retool, take time now to learn something different and, uh, add to, you know, being more well-rounded in any way that you can, because that'll only help uh, when, you know, applying to jobs and uh, looking for opportunities just because, it, you know, it's easy to get, especially as a coming from a petroleum engineer. I uh, I love the oil and gas industry. I, I, you know, got a degree in petroleum engineering. I, I still think it's a great degree to have. Um, it's it's certainly, you know, when, when I got into the industry, I got into operations and operations are a lot of times the first ones to get let go. You know, when you drop a rig, that goes a guy as well that operates on the rig. And and so it, it's especially in the shale game, it's easy to turn on and off the switch for operations. So oftentimes the operation folks seem to get hit first. 
Um, and that was the case for me. And so, um, you know, I, uh, I've, I've seen more and more with, you know, how operators and nimble independents can swing plans on a dime and drop a rig here or there like that. It, it just it, uh, opened the, the, my eyes to think, well, wow, maybe I should uh, learn more about reservoir engineering or production or, um, you know, other, other fields within petroleum engineering. And even still, like, I, I take an online course on uh, the basics of computer science, so I'm trying to learn a little bit more about uh, programming and coding. I think that's a, a valuable um, skill set that will be in demand, especially for petroleum engineers. Um, you know, obviously with being able to, to do more with less, but if you're the guy that can understand how to drill, complete, produce a well, develop a field, and you have a little bit of coding knowledge to help bring in you know software and information technology, you're the Michael Jordan on the team and you know you're untouchable at that point so that that's why i say learn something different take time now while you're maybe stuck at home uh the internet's a great resource i use it all the time um and uh, try to try to you know add some versatility to the experience you may already have one thing i do want to mention is the social media part and i think that one thing that is not being talked about and i do want to get your opinion on I do hear a lot of advice to go to your network, to go to social media and do these types of things, which I agree. I agree. But when you think about what's going on now, take a step back. Now you've got a bunch of people who really haven't spent a lot of time on social media. So now they're going to go and spend more time on social media. A lot of people that were already on the social media, they're going to go off a little bit because now they got to go to Zoom meetings and they got to go to conference meetings and all kinds of different things. So they're not spending maybe as much time during the workday on social media. I think social media is going to go through a little bit of a tweaking period. And what I think is going to drive the tweaking period the most is how people reinvent themselves on social media. And what I mean by that is how are you going to stand out? Because if there's more people on there doing the same thing, flooding the same networks and trying to do, you know, who's going to be louder than who and who's going to be more creative than who. And it, it, how are you going to separate yourself is kind of where I'm getting at, you know. And, you know, one of the things you're doing, John Clark, is, you know, you do your weekly OG brief. You know, you do or not weekly, but, you know, a couple times a month or whatever it is. I don't know. I mean, I, I put weekly in there because I call everything weekly. But you, you've got your, 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 your briefing period, and that's how you're separating yourself out from the pack. So um, do, do you know what I mean by that, John? Do you understand where I'm coming from? Yeah, I, I, I'm still learning social media and <laughs> all the algorithms that get your posts uh, liked and, and whatnot. I, I, I'm still learning a lot of that. But I, I do, yeah, you, you raise a good point, And that's one, one of the reasons I, I do this uh, OG brief. And I'm glad to be on the Crude Life podcast is it's a chance for me to, to, to sh- kind of share my story. Also, you know, any insights that I have and, and help uh, brand my business as well. But ultimately provide value to the audience that I have in my network. And I've, I've had a LinkedIn since 2010. So I've had a LinkedIn for 10 years. I'm still figuring it out though, <laughs> to be honest, Jason. <laughs> well, I, here's, here's one of the things that I like, and, and I'll be honest, is um, when somebody comes on this program, you know, they, 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 they definitely have to know what they're talking about. And I'm not saying that from, from my perspective, I'm saying that because if, if somebody's talking about things they don't know about in the energy industry, they're going to hear about it from competition, a shareholder, or an attorney. 
And so it's a, it's like the most self-correcting industry I've ever seen in my life. And I thought banking and insurance people had to stay within wheelhouses, but in the energy industry, oh, it's natural. I mean, th there's no way that a marketing director is going to talk about frack, frack solutions. And there's no way a frack solution is going to talk about something a marketing director would talk about. You know what I mean? It's like everybody stays in their own wheelhouse and that is done just on self-correction out of respect for the industry, you know? And so I, that, that's one of the things I, I do enjoy about it, but I think there's going to be a little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of a social media deal. I heard somebody talking about an online happy hour the other day. I'm not really sure how that's going to work, but I'm sure people will check it out and they'll be a part of it. You know, something social. Yeah. Have you, there's another one. Uh, I heard Netflix party. Have you heard of Netflix party? I have not. I, that just sounds like something I don't know if I want to. Okay, go on. <laughs> you, yeah, I, I saw this. <laughs> I saw this yesterday. So I, I guess you can go on Netflix. I don't know if it's only like on the weekends or anyways, you can watch Netflix with your friends. Somehow, I don't know if there's a camera on you or you just, I don't know how it works, but it sounded interesting. <laughs> the, the creative ways. Well, I thought the most genius business idea from the past is the drive-in movie theater. People would be quarantined in their cars. They'd be six feet away. And then they did, you know, I thought, you know, that would work, wouldn't it? So um, you brought up something too, that is probably going to give people an opportunity, you know, online courses, certifications, maybe a new skill. Uh, it, right now is a perfect time. You know, especially if it's a week or a two week long course or something like that, or if it's a six month course, at least you can get started now. Um, there, there's a business that is probably going to be able to see some some opportunity as some online certifications and things like that. You mentioned that you were doing something like that. Yeah. So actually, uh, there's a uh, something called EDX. Uh, it's basically like online education uh, certifications and classes. And there are quite a bit um, on programming and computer science. So Harvard has one that I've, I've worked through somewhat independently. It's uh, called CS50. It's their computer science basics class. And it's, you know, it's, there's people that pay tuition to take that class, you know, in Massachusetts, or you can watch it online and follow along. And, and a lot of programming is Programmers, a lot of them that I that I know work from home even normally, so they they uh, they utilize you know learning and, and a lot of the source programming um, that you you know you can find on the internet to basically you know double check code and stuff. I'm still a beginner. I still have a long way to go. Uh, I'm really just getting my feet wet on that. You know, I think that's really a great opportunity. It's edx.org, I think. Uh, edx, and they have a ton of different. Um, courses you can do. I've, I've even seen more stuff on LinkedIn, like getting certifications through LinkedIn. Uh, there's a few others that I've seen. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to be checking a few out myself. Rather interesting times, you know. Um, I did want to talk to you a little bit about the the unemployment and, and go back to that uh, before we wrap it up here is um, the example I've been giving people is, is you know, think of the server. If, if you want to know what's going on in this economy, just think of the server for a second. Okay, so the server is somebody who relies on cash for their income. So much so in many states that they don't even have minimum wage. Like in North Dakota, I think they make like four bucks an hour, four and a quarter. And that's how reliant servers are on tips. Well, when 
when their income stops literally overnight, I mean, it was like overnight restaurants closed, maybe within three days, um, their income stopped. Now, a lot of, a lot of servers either have rent or in some cases, if they have a mortgage, generally they are supplementing the mortgage or maybe they got a child support check or maybe they're got a spouse that helps pay the mortgage. But for the most part, a lot of servers by themselves do not carry a mortgage. But if they do, that's fine too. But where I'm going with this is, is the server now, if they don't have an income, that means there was something happened to the restaurant. So now the restaurant is impacted because the server is. Now the server no longer has income and they don't have a check coming in. So their landlord and or partner who has the mortgage is now impacted too. So just from a server, you have three to four different people in the chain of economic command that is seriously impacted to where defaults and getting behind and, you know, and a, a friend of mine said the other day to me in the, in the news media, we were talking just kind of off the air and we were talking about some of our friends that have restaurants and how we're concerned about them. And he said, Jason, he goes, the, the, the reality is, and I'm talking optimistic, 25% of the restaurants that are closed are not going to open up again. And that's when it really hit me that this is a lot more serious than, than I think people think. Las Vegas shutting down for 30 days. Think of the server. Think of just that little bit of the economy and how quickly that can impact three or four different people like that. So and then you go to actual you know, other jobs and other, other things. But when you think of that template in that chain of command with just something as, as easy as you know a day-to-day -day server that you see every day at lunch and at dinner and things like that, I think it just really opens up people's eyes to really see what's going on here with this COVID shutdown, if you will. So uh, with that said, talk to me a little bit about, you know, how you're seeing this. Yeah, certainly trickle down effect, uh, I think is what the term many economists use. And that that's what we're seeing. I mean, you know, I'll speak to Houston. I'm born and raised here, uh, you know, back in the 80s. What I heard was our city was really impacted by the, the oil shock. Uh, and, you know, I think since then, the city's diversified quite a bit in, into the medical field and, and hospitality. You know, actually, Houston is known for, um, in, you know, having one of the most diverse uh, restaurants and, and culinary um, <clears throat> arts and hospitality and ho hotels. And, and, you know, nobody's going to hotels right now. They're all shut, shut, shut in in their houses. So you think about that and all the conferences and any business travel you know, is impacting that as well. And, and I think you're right. We're, uh, I hate to say it, this, this feels kind of like a 2008 crisis with regards to um, the credit, credit cycles. You know, I think, you know, the Fed cut rates to zero. I was, I heard an economist come on, um, on the news. He mentioned how, you know, we're, we're probably going to see low interest. The good news is we'll probably see low interest rates for a few years, you know, maybe, maybe zero. They're probably, if, if this, recession, you know, continues to ripple where the, the Fed won't in, increase rates and nobody, everyone's, ca you know, strapped for cash. Um, so I think the, you know, the, the, the bond market and uh, which basically relies on debt, um, you know, I, I would be cautionary against, you know, buying the dips in this stock market. I think the economy is shifting. Uh, it's, it's, it's going to take some time that, you know, they canceled 
or rescheduled the Summer Olympics even. I mean, when was the last time they did that? <laughs> and in World War II? <laughs> uh, so these are certainly unprecedented times, and, and I think it's going to continue. I, I would say, you know, now is a great time to, to retool and, um, you know, uh, and, and continue to, to work on networking. And, and um, I'm, I'd be happy to, if, if anyone wants to reach out to me personally, uh, send me a uh, direct message. I'd be happy to give you any other, um, you know, of my experiences going through layoffs and uh, happy to help share within my network too, if I can be a resource. John Clark, Clark Energy Consulting is the name of the company. And he did enter the March Madness Tournament and he did win in the first round against Guide Energy Solutions. Didn't quite fare so well against Brigade Energy Service. Of course, they were a higher seed, but I think it was a little bit closer than than probably what people would have thought. So uh, he did had a good showing in the March Madness, but you know came up short, I guess, in the second round. Yeah, I've been following your posts on there. I like how you tag people, and uh, I always try to like uh, any of the posts that you make too. So uh, that's part of the you know part of it. You know, sharing is caring, and uh, I'm always happy to. Uh, to like others post to, to help get it noticed and uh, would appreciate uh, you know getting any feedback from the listeners uh, as well. Um, and you can also go to clarkenergyconsulting.com. You can check out my website. I'm happy to uh, book a consultation or just you know reach out to, to be a helping hand however I can during these tough times. To listen to the full-length interview, visit thecrudelife.com. And I see people all alone Picking their guitars, playing their songs And I tell them, forget it Cause you can't fake it You're gonna make it You gotta live it The Crude Life is sponsored in part by Historic, the first full conversion refinery To be built in the U.S. in over 40 years Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced Downstream project ever the model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. And that's going to do it for today's podcast, folks. We'd like to thank you very much for joining us with this extended version. Boy, did we get through a lot of topics today, a lot of conversations. But I tell you what, it was all good information. It was all stuff that was very relevant to your lives as well as possibly your futures as well. So thank you very much, John Clark, Clark Energy Consulting, for coming on today's program. Matthew Hill of Night Energy, Bailey Midkiff, and Jake Milney with WIC. And we're going to hand the baton off to Brandon Davis with Swan Energy in just a moment or two with our daily radio update here on the podcast. And what that means is, folks, I do a daily radio update for a number of radio stations across uh, the upper Midwest and the Bakken primarily, but we're branching into other areas as well, especially now that energy is deemed a critical need here as we continue to heal and fight the coronavirus, the COVID-19 shutdown that is happening. So we're going to hand it off to Brandon Davis with Swan Energy, and he's going to talk a little bit about that as well. Some of the things happening in terms of who's going to get hit, how is businesses adjusting, etc. So uh, Brandon Davis, thank you very much, Swan Energy. Also, our headlines are available at thecrudelife.com on our show page. 
our sponsor, mineraltracker.com. We do want to thank them one more time. If you'd like to sponsor The Crude Life, email jason at thecrudelife.com. We'd love to get you some information. This is a great way to keep your name out there while everybody's at home in their home office getting set up, consuming podcasts. Our numbers have gone up significantly in the last two weeks. So if you'd like to keep your name out there over the next, who knows how long this is going to happen, but The Crude Life is a great way to keep your name out there, give you some social media content, give you some newsletter content, that sort of thing. So uh, mineraltracker.com, I do want to tell you about them, folks. Mineral Tracker is the only mineral management software that allows mineral owners to compare actual royalty payments to expected payment based on well performance and a proprietary and Bakken-specific reservoir model built by Mineral Tracker's petroleum engineers. In addition, Mineral Tracker users gain mapping and storage features to monitor well locations and store important documents in their online accounts. Mineral Tracker was formed in Watford City, North Dakota, and is a subsidiary of McKenzie Minerals Management, LLP, a family-owned and operated business also based in Watford City. And I can tell you, folks, they are a fantastic family. Got to know them over the past few years. And this is me talking, not the ad or anything like that. Just go check them out. Now is a great time to go check out mineraltracker.com. See what they have to offer. I know they got some free services, and of course they go up and they've got some escalating tiers, that sort of thing. Depends on what your level is. But I can tell you, even if you don't own minerals, they still have relevant information to the oil and gas industry. So mineraltracker.com. Also, our featured event, we're just featuring the March Madness Tournament, the Crude Life 2020 March Madness Tournament. We're at the Sweet 16 level. The games are going on right now as we speak. Boy, we've got some exciting matchups. Go check out our Crude Life March Madness Tournament 2020. And that's going to do it for today's podcast. We're going to hand it off to Brandon Davis with Swan Energy in just a moment or two. Provolone, excellent work today on today's podcast. From the staff here at the Crude Life Podcast, my name is Jason Spies. Asking it, always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. My name is Jason Spies and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with Brandon Davis of Swan Energy. In just a moment, part of our exclusive interview with Brandon Davis of Swan Energy right here on the Crude Life Daily Update. The thing is, though, we, we've already been heading there for a while. I mean, I... I'm a I'm a face to face kind of meeting kind of guy. Like, I prefer everybody in the same room, uh, whether that's me too, ten people or ten thousand people. But you know, it's 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 very very much everyone that wants to meet with me wants to do it on a video conference, and I hate doing that. And now I don't have a choice, so I guess I'm going to have to suck it up and do it myself. I guess I'm going to have to get on the program. But that's it's been there. It's been there for a while, and it's and it's gotten to the point where we can we can actually function as if we are in meetings from all over the world like we're in the same room it's it's amazing and and uh with that it's like what if this would have happened 20 years ago we would we would be in a different place today so everything that's happened in our lives and everything that's there and it's available for us is is there for a reason i think that it's just uh, take advantage of it and everybody needs to, to relax until the dust settles enough to to see through it and i you know i i think that everyone again it gets back to like just let the dust settle before you do anything. Like there's no there's no reason to get in a rush because at this point, 
the whole world is almost stopped. So the most important thing to do is not do anything rash and be calm. Like I, I just, I have the, the crazier it's gotten, the less concerned I've been. And I don't know if that makes me crazy or if it's just to my character of like the, 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 the more out of control things are around you, the more in control you have to be. I don't know. Um, no, but, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, you know? I, I feel very, very, very calm right now. To listen to the full-length interview with Brandon Davis with Swan Energy or to listen to other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Keep up to date with industry news, exclusive interviews, and a podcast heard every Monday through Thursday with a weekend review. From the staff here at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spies asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. It seems everywhere I go these days, someone is telling me about the success of Hatch Coaching. Listen to what professional speaker Mark J. Lindquist has to say. To see Eric Hatch grow his business and then start to share it with other people, I think is one of those great steps in life. You know, what do you do in society? You succeed at a thing and then you teach other people how you did it. And now to see Eric duplicating his genius across the country, I'm telling you. There's a world changer down the street, and his name is Eric Hatch. For more information, call 701-212-1572 or visit coachingwithhatch.com. That's coachingwithhatch.com. If you don't hear a fiddle or a steel guitar, a hillbilly singing about a honky-tonk bar, the bass ain't banging and the vocals are rough, Brother, it ain't country, no If it don't tug at your heartstrings and tear at your soul Get you up and dancing, going out of control You hear it on the radio and don't turn it up Brother, it ain't country, no If you can't move to it, groove to it Up and slam some boots to it, party to it all night long if it ain't about whiskey sipping, guitar picking, tractors, trailers, trucks, or prison, man, it ain't a country song. I'd like them real cool old school bar stool jams. I'm drinking line laughter and love. So if your feet ain't stomping once a band starts a rock, then brother, it ain't country enough. If you hear it and it ain't stuck in your head all day It's got a pop back beat and it's sung the wrong way Charlie Daniels wouldn't dig it, man Hank Jr. would say it sucks Brother, it ain't country, no If instead of using English you use foreign words Win a competition that you didn't deserve Some fur coat wearing wannabes producing your stuff Brother, you ain't country, no if you can't move to it, groove to it, up and slam some boots to it, party to it all night long. If it ain't about whiskey sipping, guitar picking, tractors, trailers, trucks, or prison, man, it ain't a country song. 
I'd like them real cool old school barstool terms Got drinking line laughter and love So if your feet ain't stomping once a band Start to rockin' brother in a country enough Yeah, if your feet ain't jumping once a band starts rocking, brother, it ain't country enough. It seems everywhere I go these days, someone is telling me about the success of Hatch Coaching. Listen to what professional speaker Mark J. Lindquist has to say. To see Eric Hatch grow his business and then start to share it with other people, I think is one of those great steps in life, you know? What do you do in society? You succeed at a thing and then you teach other people how you did it. And now to see Eric duplicating his genius across the country, I'm telling you, there's a world changer down the street and his name is Eric Hatch. For more information, call 701-212-1572 or visit coachingwithhatch.com. That's coachingwithhatch.com. The Crude Life, every Monday through Thursday with a week in review on Friday.